Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ah, there you are. Hello. How are you? You all right? Good week? Anything going on? Anything fun? Um, welcome back to the Dangerous Dinners podcast. I'm your host, Tom Green, and welcome to episode five. Five weeks in already, over a month. Um, by the way, I'm going to get the old admin out early today. If you are liking this series, um, can you please scroll down to the bottom of uh, the Apple Podcasts and just leave a five-star review? Or if you, t- you know, writing's so difficult, that's fine. Just click the five stars. That's it. Real easy. It makes a massive difference. I really appreciate it. And it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. So thanks. And uh, thanks for all the love about Tom Grennan's episode last week. It was really fun, wasn't it? Tom was amazing. Tom was just literally the best. And a lot of nice comments about how open and honest he was around alcohol and his struggles there and stuff. Um, I really appreciated his own honesty and just being really genuine about it. And I hope he finds happiness in sobriety or at least a little bit more balance, I suppose. You don't have to give it completely up, do you? You could just do it less. Anyway, less of that. Today, we have got a fantastic guest for you. It is the amazing, wonderful, brilliant Vic Hope. I mean, where do I even start with Vic? I don't even... I'm just going to list off the things she's done, I guess is probably the best way. BBC Radio 1's Life Hacks host. Amazing. Ex-Capital Breakfast. She did that for a while. Amnesty International Ambassador. Host of I'm a Celebrity, The Daily Drop. Cambridge graduate, multilinguist, and ITN journalist. Wow. Bloody, bloody impressive woman. I'm in awe of her. She's so great. Um, So we sat down. We got a takeaway. And uh, here's what happened where we chatted to Vic Hope in the Dangerous Dinners podcast. The Dangerous Dinners podcast with your host, Tom Green. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. Up for grabs today, we have the poorly reviewed Kansas Fried Chicken, everybody's favorite, Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome... It's Vic Oh, funny. Yeah. I don't get that a lot, you know, but I, I like it from you. Thanks. Listen, listen Vic, the intro's <laughs> the same for all guests, so all oh, right. guests just said as funny. Right, fine. 
I'll, I'll try my best. When I made that little jingle for the start of the show, I thought it was all good because we'd have loads of really funny guests in there. But I'm starting to get like sports people and like war veterans. And describing a war veteran as funny before interviewing, not the right vibe. You've got to be careful with that. You know what? I, I did a, a pilot, I won't say for what channel, um, like once, ages ago. And it was supposed to be a comedy. And they, they got me and two comedians. And I was like, you do realize just just to be just to be clear i'm not a comedian so i'm not it's not gonna be a gag a minute you know yeah. we're like it's gonna it's gonna be fun for sure i'm gonna really enjoy it and we're, we're gonna make it as fun as possible but don't expect gags and they were like yeah 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 yeah. they hadn't told the exec producer and he came down to me in the middle of it and he was like look look we're up against Catherine ryan here can you pull out the phone i was like mate <laughs> give us a bloody gag vic <laughs> I do worry though when because I've done shows like this with you we did um, Hey Tracy right yeah and you get people on that panel who are comedians and I'm like I sort of make my girlfriend laugh but I wouldn't call myself a comedian am I supposed to be being funny no I think the best thing is to be so clear that's what exactly what I'm doing right now I'm caveating disclaimer I'm not funny not comedian right from the outset I think I think it, it it helps that we have a job title, but like we both do, that that doesn't suggest we're funny. And my my ex, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it. He mm. um, was a comedian, and he when he went on panel shows, it was so stressful because because he didn't being introduced as comedian X Y Z that the amount of abuse you get on Twitter from people being like, well, you weren't funny, call yourself a comedian. <laughs> and yet when he went on under the guise of actor, X, Y, Z, he didn't get any abuse. Just people being like, oh, that's so far, oh, that's really sweet. And sometimes be like, wow, you're funnier than I thought. <laughs> it's just it, it's just down to the title. So um, I think we're quite lucky to, low expectations, low the bar, and you can only ever vault it, can't you? Tonight, we will only be entertaining. We will not be funny. <laughs> that is where the, the bar is. There we go. Um, Vic, welcome to the Dangerous Dinners podcast. Yeah, thanks hey. for having me. Thank you. You paid for my dinner tonight. Dinner is on me tonight, which Great. means at this point, I am going to say, please try and be cheap. Uh, well, it's not up to me. It's up to your spinny board, isn't it? Yes, we have a giant roulette wheel behind me of a load of takeaways. That's what, what it's called, roulette. Yeah. <laughs> spinny board. It's a spinny board. <laughs> it's got a name, Vic. Yes, it does. You've got a roulette wheel. i got a roulette wheel. A lot of people don't believe that I actually have it, but it is behind me. It's a physical object that I bought from Amazon. See, the reason that I wasn't convinced was because I've worked in the same industry as you, Mm. Tom, in radio, and we have done so many roulette competitions in our time that are, and I'm sure the audience won't be too upset by me saying this, but that are just a sound effect. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, I know the tricks of the trade. Do you want to know what's on it tonight, Vic? This is what you could have. Yes, I do. Fish and chips, kebab, wings, pizza, um, very famous fried chicken, very famous golden arches places, um, meze board, dirty kebab, and hot curry. I'm salivating already. Um, I I mean... uh, I'm just trying to think what I would like. There's probably no point because then if I don't get it, then I'd have built my hopes up. I'd be happy with anything. Oh, really? Uh, there were a couple I was a bit... Mm, I don't really feel like a pizza tonight. Okay. Um, what else? I don't really think I feel like fish and chips, but now the more I think about it, maybe I do. Hey, I wrote an introduction for you, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I'd love to. I like to, I like to really big my guests up. So, But I think this is fair for what I've, I've written. Are you ready? Yeah. I mean, where do I even start with this girl? Or should I say, por donde a pezzo con esta chica? <laughs>
That's Spanish. Yeah. She can speak three languages, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. She went to a bloody Cambridge Uni. She held down Capital Breakfast before sliding over to the big BBC Radio 1. She's an Amnesty International ambassador, social media phenomenon, TV sweetheart, strictly dancing legend, and all-round media icon. She's the one, the only, it's Vic Hope. Oh, that's really lovely. I just oh, like apples. Cheers, yeah, that was lovely. Thank you. Um, how was my Spanish? Uh, d- d- give it another go. Try again. Um, por donde epetio con esta chica? Okay, por donde? Por donde? Empiezo. Empiezo. That's yeah. Empiezo. Empiezo. Yeah. Um, con. Con. Esta chica. Esta got, chica. Yeah, you got that right. It was just the uh, empiezo was a little bit. But it was, it was good. Where do I even start with this girl was the translation. Yeah. So you could speak th- three languages, or I guess four languages, including including English. Yeah, yeah. So my Spanish is fluent um, and my French is fluent. I, I studied both of them at uni. I went to live in Argentina. So my Spanish, you know, got, got pretty good while I was living there. But um, Portuguese, I actually learned, I picked it up while I was living in Argentina and I was... I had the wrong visa because I was working. So I, I used to hop across to Brazil quite a lot just to get some stamps in my passport so it looked like I was there legally. Sure. Um, <laughs> and totally legit. Don't worry totally. about it. No one picked that up. That's fine, guys. Keep moving. <laughs> and <laughs> so I started picking up Portuguese. It's so similar to Spanish. So um, I found it quite easy to, to talk to people in in brazil who speak portuguese obviously in spanish and sort of they'd reply in portuguese and i could pick things up gradually gradually so when i got back to the uk to finish my degree i could do a module in in portuguese so my portuguese is it's it's okay but it doesn't have that sort of solid base that um the foundations that my spanish and french have and then yeah english obviously i speak and then my mum actually speaks a language called Igbo, which is a um a nigerian tribal language which i can sort of i guess understand it's when i did when i did the research for this for this uh podcast episode and i was like seeing everything you'd done my god you're very impressive vic hope like yeah (laughs) like yeah like compared like you know i'd done a bit of radio and i'm from preston whereas you have done like like very very impressive stuff i don't this this isn't a question i'm just saying well done i guess oh thank you that's very kind of you no worries very much you're Uh, great you're great also thanks Thanks for that. I've, I've got a podcast and a beard. Um, so, so the idea is we're going to spin the podcast and find out what we're sort of eating tonight. It's very, Brilliant. very simple. Uh, right. Do you want to count me down? I'll spin the wheel for you. Yeah, from five or three. Oh, it's ten. I don't know. Three. Three, okay. Uh, <laughs> ten was a long shot, right? <laughs> from 21, I'll be here all night. Okay. Uh, spin the wheel in three, two, one. Spin! Spin the wheel! Tonight you've got Lucky. What is it? Tonight you've got the famous Colonel Fried Chicken. Ah, I can't believe I'm having that for dinner. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, fantastic. Oh, thank you. And it's close as well, so it shouldn't take long. Yeah, let me just fire up the app for you. Um, what about the mighty bucket for one meal? That's two pieces of chicken, two mini fillets and two hot wings. Yeah, you know what? I don't really want the fillets. The, ch- the two bits of chicken and the two wings is, would be great, but... But, you know what? You could always have them for, you know, breakfast. Oh, my God. You don't rule it out. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, yeah. Mighty Ooh. bucket for one? Mighty bucket for one. Let's do it. Okay. There you go. We're ordered. Fantastic. Just so we all know, I've ordered myself 10 pieces of fried chicken for 10 quid. Have you? 
have you yeah, for yourself. I, well, my girlfriend's downstairs. It's a long night. Oh, fine. Yeah. Who That's knows what will happen? Now, I want to go right back to the start of it because I feel like we haven't spoken about it and I'm obsessed with this. You went to Cambridge. Yeah. How the hell was that? Well, it was, um, it was great. It was such a privilege to get to go to one of the top institutions for rigorous academia in the world. Like, it, it was incredible. I learned so much. I worked so hard. Um, I, I think in the four years of my course, there was not a single day, not even a weekend day, when I didn't at least do some work. I can't uh, believe that because that's so different to my experience of Leeds Uni. Well, that's what I realised when I came back after the first term of first year. And I saw my friends in Newcastle and I was like, how's uni been, guys? And I realised that I was having a vastly different yeah. experience from everyone else. Like, we had every day, like Monday to Friday, we had a good nine to five of contact time. And some of it was lectures, but a lot of it was one-on-one. It was just one-on-one tuition. Um, which is why it's such a an elite university, I guess. Um, yeah. It's but it's very intense, and I was very very stressed. You sound <laughs> stressful. Yeah. My God. Yeah, I met some amazing people. I met like my friends. I just I'm just so proud of them all the time. They do incredible things. Like my best friend is a rocket scientist. He works for the European Space Agency. That's sick. One of my friends is works for the UN. She like is she's incredible she like refugees and people who are stateless um she she works on ensuring that everyone has a nationality in the world don't you find it weird when you hear about these people's jobs and we're like i do a bit of talking every now and again yeah i'm i'm always in awe of how many of my friends are like genuinely really helping people um but by the same token like I knew that I wasn't going to become someone super ac- academic. I knew that within a, the first year of uni. And I learned a lot of, you know, French, Spanish, and also the literature, politics, culture, history, social economics of of Latin America, Spain, and the Francophone Caribbean and France. But wow. what I learned more than anything was how to be confident talking to people who were very accomplished so when you have one-on-one supervisions which is what they're called um with like the top dogs in french academia you have to get confident quite quickly you have to have trust in the things that come out of your mouth so i think that what i ended up doing like working as a broadcaster and as a journalist came it came from what i did at, at uni it was useful i did language it's it's speech it's communication it's storytelling so it fed into it in some ways maybe not the way that it did for for a lot of people and or maybe they expected but it's been all right and i think it i think it set me up in many ways also one thing i realized when i first got there and everyone's from bloody eaton i was gonna say the, like, how, did that, how how was that <laughs> Because you're from, you're, I, I don't know what your background's like in Newcastle, but you're from Newcastle and they went to Eton. What was that like? <laughs> so there was a lot of them and I was quite surprised when I first got there. And um, is it like it's portrayed in books and films? Mm, yeah. Little. In many, in many ways, yes. There are those societies of boys from certain backgrounds who do certain things. Well, this, yeah. was, this was a question that I had. Like in my mind, going to Cambridge, is one half village pubs and one half Bullingdon club. Yeah. What what is it actually like? That I guess that 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 does go on. Okay, so the Bullingdon club is Oxford, but the equivalent of it at Cambridge is called the Pit Club. Sure. Um, and it's the same thing. It's boys from a certain um, part of society. You have to be invited in. Um, and they are hugely influential. Their parents are hugely influential. 
they have a lot of ins that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily get in life. Um, I I got to see what goes on at one of those socials because, so this sounds so bad, but all the societies, they have um, socials and uh, these things called formals. So they, they go for these real Harry Potter-esque dinners in the great halls of the various colleges and they get to invite a girl along with them. And I got a couple of invitations from whoever these guys are like you don't know who they are they've only they've been watching this sounds so bad they've been been watching you and they send um, a message to your pigeonhole so it's written a written invitation that's like that you don't know where it's come from (laughs) inviting you to something yeah it's so strange and the first one i went to was actually not the pit club one it was it was the lion's dinner so that was the lions who were like version of the pick club for my college for Emmanuel college and um i got invited by the president and i was like how does this guy know me and he was like oh you know i've just been been watching you you one of the freshers um which is it's strange yeah and you go and there's all these weird games you have to play you have to wear it you have to wear a gown like um (laughs) like a proper like cloak like harry Harry Potter. potter yeah um there's all these like rules you have to abide by it's so strange but obviously like when you're a fresher when you're a fresher in your first year of uni and you're not like these people you've like come from a very different background and it's all new to you all you want is to fit in don't you like i I really was like yeah whatever i'll do whatever i'll do whatever and it wasn't until second and actually more fourth year where i started to say no to this stuff and i was like you know what i don't want to do that but i remember being invited to these dinners and by that time i was like why why would I do that if I don't have to? And it never crossed my mind that you could just say no. Yeah. You just think you have to do it. So if a if some boy from this society says, eat your pudding without your hands, like put your put your face in it and then down a bottle of wine, you just did it. You just did it. And there were so many nights I'd wake up from where I was like, I don't know what happened, but I I, th- I, th- I think I did some kind of initiation or I, I appear to have like this garter around my neck from some like oh my weird secret society. Like it must have come from. Some- it's 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 so it's crazy, but it exists. It absolutely still exists. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't even make a pot noodle in my first year. Never mind organize something like that. It's so it's so strange, isn't it? I so I went to Leeds Uni, right? And a, a lot of Leeds Uni students are quite posh, right? Yeah. And. I found this question very strange when I went to uni. You'd go to like your freshers fairs and you'd go to like nights out with freshers. And there was one question that I was always asked. I didn't get it. Is what school did you go to? And only as I got a little bit older, did I realize there was this collection of schools down yeah. south that yeah. all these kids went to. And everyone knew the other schools because they all played sports together. And they would ask you, what school did you go to? Because if you were part of their crew, and you went to one of these schools they knew about, you were one of them. And yeah. if you weren't, and you had an answer like me, Broughton Business and Enterprise College, you weren't part of that crew. And I found that really hard at the start to sort of work out where my place was in that society and where I fit in. And I guess Cambridge was that on heat. Yeah, it was that. And then throw into the mix as well, there wasn't anyone, else, there weren't many other people who um, looked like I did. So uh, it's it's not hugely diverse. I don't know if you've seen like some of the stats in the last yeah. few years when there was like 15 black boys in total admitted to like the whole uni. So like it's, it's not very diverse. Um, so as a, as a black woman from the north of England (laughs) you know what in my first week I got an email and they were like um hi we um we're so happy to have you here um 
would you be interested in appearing in the prospectus? We're shooting the, a new prospectus this year for next year. Would you like to be in it? And I was like, I'm quite attention seeking. So I, I love a photograph. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, oh, lovely. And then I realized when they, they shot it, they did like a photo shoot and an interview. They put me in my, within the first term of me being at, at uni at, at Cambridge, I, I was in... I was on the front cover of the prospectus and <laughs> there was this little interview inside and it was like, <laughs> um, it's, 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 uh, you mustn't be worried about applying to Cambridge. It's honestly not as daunting as you think. The exam's really easy. Um, and they just want to get to know you in the interview and you'll really enjoy it. And um, anyone can do it. And then underneath it says Victoria, comma, Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Even people from here can go. <laughs> Bring out the girl from Newcastle! <laughs> and I was like, oh! So because only takes like brown, tick, woman, tick, yeah. north, tick. We've hit a jackpot here, guys. <laughs> um, so going from Cambridge, you then went travelling and then you started doing TV. Yeah. And then this is where I came across you on the Capital Breakfast Show. Yeah. At one point in my career, you were my rival. Yeah, we yeah we actually we, were. We were rivals. We were head-to-head in the ratings war of radio. In Rajar, as Rage, it's known, yeah. Yeah, Rajar. So how did the Capital Breakfast thing happen? Like, how did that come about? So I've been doing TV for a while, uh, and I've done a bit of radio, like a little bit of local BBC stuff up in Cambridgeshire. Um, and I, my various TV and a little bit of radio work came together, um, and I ended up on Capital Extra, um, which is Capital's sister station. It's the kind of R&B and hip-hop station, and I loved it. I was doing um, weekend breakfast, Saturday and Sunday mornings, having the time of my life while also doing lots of work with Full Music, ITV2, all that kind of thing. ITN, I was working for a lot, doing lots of um, breakfast news and stuff. So it was all going great. And I got asked to do a show for Red Bull. Um, and that was where I had my first McDonald's. <laughs> oh, that was the Ken. Paris thing. That was why we went to Paris. Ah. I, met, I met this guy called Roman. And we got on really well it just worked really well we couldn't really put our finger on it but it was just like a quite instantaneous connection we were hosting the show together it was very intense it was a global broadcast 10 days in a row um from paris and it was great and it went really well and off the back of that i signed with the same agent as him and we then got put forward for an itv2 show called too awesome which was kind of like t4 sort of hangover tv um and we did a series of that on ITV2 while I was at Capital Extra and he was on Capital doing the evening show. And it just so happened that while we were doing this show, Dave Berry decided to call it a day. He'd been doing Capital Breakfast for ages, like 10 years or something. And me and Ro were doing this thing together. I think Ro was always going to get that show. He was it, he was doing evenings on Capital and he was always sort of destined to be the new breakfast presenter. You can sort of see who they're lining up for this stuff. And it, yeah. as soon as he got evenings, it was like, okay, you sort of see where this is going. Yeah, I think I think everyone could sort of see that. I think even he leaked it himself. I seem to remember him doing some press and they were like, uh, would you ever do breakfast? And he was like, well, I think Dave Berry's leaving soon. Uh, could do. And I was like, you just, you just told them. You're never really supposed to do that. 
<laughs> he's like, oh, I can do what I want. Whatever. Anyway, um, he, I guess he was asked, who, who would you, you know, who would you like to do it with? Would you, you want some company? <laughs> someone to chat to in sure. the mornings? It'd be nice to talk to someone. And we, we'd just been working together and just really hitting it off and really working. And I was, I was already there as well on Capital Extra. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'll be totally honest, I was a bit reluctant because I was having the time of my life on Capital Extra. I loved the music. I loved the slot. I loved the, I, I don't know, it was, just so, it was so chill. It was such a relaxed show and such a relaxed team and everything about it was, there's a guy called Al who was the boss of Capital Extra and I loved him. I just kind of wanted to stay doing that. I felt very cocooned. But Ro was like, come come over here, come do it. And it, it's an amazing opportunity, an amazing platform, an amazing community to be a part of um, and to be waking up with so many people every single morning, going to school with them, having breakfast with them, going like going to work with them. I, I couldn't say no. So um, A lot of pressure, though, on that move, right? That must have felt like when you step into that show, that's a big old show to be taking. Yeah, it is. I'll be honest, I wasn't as aware of the pressure. As, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I wasn't. So here's the thing. I was, when I was on Capital Extra, I was doing weekends. I was, I never saw anyone. I didn't have a clue. I didn't realize, I didn't know about, I didn't never heard of Ray Jars. I didn't know any of these What the things. hell is all this? I didn't know. I was just, I was literally sauntering in. I was so happy. I was just, I would come in, I would eat my breakfast, chat about like really great, like such great music. I remember I joined just as Beyonce released Lemonade. Amazing. And oh my God, I could talk for, I could talk for days about that album, that seminal piece of music. So I, I was in my element and I didn't really realise <laughs> how many people listened to Captain A lot breakfast. of people tuning in at this point. <laughs> I didn't know. So I, I was like, yeah, okay, fine, fine. Um, so I think a lot of people expect that you take a decision like that. Like it's so, it's like really big moment and you're kind of like, everything's been leading up to this. It was never like that for me, not at all. I was just like, yeah, sure, give it a go. I like hanging out with you, Ro, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> I was quite. Ha- I'm quite happy here on Capital Extra, but yeah. Why not give this a go? Give this one a go. But <laughs> it, was, it was very much that was the dynamic of that decision. So um, Vic, I, just I'm a food not. update at this point. Oh, is it coming? Well, we're, we're we're entering what I like to call the Tom Grennan zone, which is where it's been wrapping your food up for the last forty minutes. <gasps> this happened with Tom Grennan, and we were here for two and a half hours. Strap yourself in, Vic. It could be a long night. You know what? It's at Uber Eats because Uber Eats have been. They've played. Silly buggers with me before. It is Uber Eats. Is yours come? Mine's downstairs, yeah. Are you kidding me? Mine's in the oven though, so you don't need to worry. How come yours has come? Because Did you I, order it from Dalston as well? I didn't order it from Dalston, no. I'm nowhere oh. near Dalston. Where are you? Uh, I'm I'm North London. I'm near Muswell Hill. Okay, fine. I just, uh, me, I mean, my girlfriend has bought a house a few weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. That's that sweet breakfast money. Yeah. <laughs> Give me it. Give me that money. Yeah, well I, done. I got the house. He's very I've not, I've not bought a house. Oh, have you not? No. Is that is that is that out of choice? Is that because you like renting? Is that because you don't know where you want to live? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought about it this year. I went to see a few houses actually, and I was just like, you know what? I I, I really love my flat. It's really cool. It's um. Where right would you in- go? Well, that's it. I don't want to move out of Dalston. And th- for that reason, I can't really buy because Dalston is so expensive. Like, you have to compromise on something, don't you? Yeah. Um, and I'm not really prepared to compromise just now. I'm having a nice time. I think that's, that's the thing. That's something I've learned in the last couple of years. I've, I've realised 
you just don't know what's going to happen in life. You just don't. So you may as well just have a nice time while you can. And maybe I will regret this in the future when I think, why didn't you ever think of the future? But the times that I've thought of the future too much, I've got so bogged down by it and so worried by it. And I've really, really, and I don't, there's, I don't know why I'm getting philosophical now, but I think living in the present is the best, the best lesson I've learned in my whole life. I just enjoy yourself. I couldn't agree more with that. And I think... They, they say the best laid plans of mice and men, right? You know, yeah. no matter what you try and do, you can't really control it. And I had a I had a trajectory in my mind of what my career would be. And then and then the Kids Breakfast Show stopped. And, mm. you know, that wasn't necessarily my choice for those things to happen. You know, management changes and all those things. But yeah. you, I don't think you should hold on too much to what you think your life or your career should be because it's so quickly changes and i i'm in a position now where with what i'm doing i'm more content i'm more happy i've got more conviction in my work than i ever have done but if a year ago you said to me this is what's going to happen i'd been like no no no, i'm on this i'm doing this thing this is my plan this is how it's going to work and then i'm going to go here and i'm going to here and then i'm going to do that and that's me done and it doesn't work out that way but i think that's the thing that's all right you know you don't have control and i think realizing that is the most liberating thing um i always say to anyone whenever they're asking for advice a lot of people are like what are the goals what what are the destinations and it's not that it's a journey isn't it you've got to enjoy that otherwise what's the point um and i i think being tunnel vision can be very limiting and detrimental to you actually finding what you enjoy and what you care about so i always say to anyone asking for advice to to keep your options really open you know doors will close others will open it's easier said than done to to accept that but actually something might come from something that you didn't expect at all so i think every few months just keep recalibrating Yes, have goals, have things that you'd love to achieve, but they're more hopes than plans, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, work towards them, but other things might might happen instead, and, and they do, and that's okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, I want to talk your TV work as well, because there's so many... When, again, when I researched you and for this chat... There's just so much stuff you've done on the TV that I only want to pick out two of my favorite things because I could okay. talk about all of it for a long time. But 
working on I'm a Celeb must have been a bit of a dream this year because that is a I think me and you are similar you're 31 right yeah yeah. so I'm 26 you're a little bit older than me but we both grew up with that show quite a lot older than you actually Uh, not too much I mean annoyingly you look younger than I look haggard and I don't know how I've ended up looking so haggard at 26 you look younger than me listen I look younger than most people I don't know this is the one thing this is the one thing I have Um, I got ID'd for buying glue the other day in the obviously not prit sip sure <laughs> super glue um because you have to be 16 <laughs> you have to buy what the it hell <laughs> i was like okay a do i not look come on i look older than 16 yeah. and then are you suggesting i'm 14 yeah are you suggesting i look younger than 16 and then b like what do you think i'm gonna do <laughs> like what do you think i'm gonna do with the glue <laughs> What do you think I'm going to do? Sniff it? It's well, not the yeah. 70s. Do I look like a 15-year-old glue sniffer to you? Well, she is from Newcastle, so let's not rule it out, all right? Come on. Come on now. Sniffing glue. That used to be, I remember that was a big thing in our high school. We used to watch TV shows. They'd be like, okay, kids, don't sniff glue. I've never met anyone that's even attempted to sniff glue, and I've been on some weird nights out. <laughs> um, can I talk about another show that you did that I'm sort of obsessed by? I didn't see it yeah. because I think it was a while ago. Did you do a documentary on Slenderman? Oh my God, that was so long ago. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I'm like, I'm a bit of like, I, I do like the internet, right? And you see these things on the internet every now and again, like Slenderman. And yeah. you did, a, you sort of brought that into real life by doing, a, <laughs> is this like a real throwback, this question? It was like oh 10 years God. ago I did this. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Why? This sounds great. Whoa, okay. don't be embarrassed by this. Okay, so basically, yes, I did. It's so true. Um, I It was for Channel 5 and it was... But it was about Slender. Slender Man was. Like I really thrown you point. with this question. Yeah, you really I? have. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, so Slender Man was like the jumping off point. Mm. Um, so there were two girls in the states. Who, I, I'm sure you know the story of Slender Man, the, the internet the in- sensation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were two girls in the states, very young. They were like 11 years old or something, and they took their friend into the forest. And they stabbed her, like, loads of times. Insane. She lived, thank God. She, she like, stumbled and, and, and found some some people who were walking in the forest and they took her to hospital. But these two girls, they said that the Slender Man made them do it. It was like an offering to the Slender Man. Exactly. They, they said, and, like, the Slender Man's not real. No. The Slender Man is not real. It's a fictional character online. It's um, digital folklore, if you will. So what the documentary was about was investigating... Um, how how things that are fictional can make us do things that are very real. So how online horror and digital folklore can play out IRL in in real life. Um, And there are... There, there were like a lot of characters, very spooky characters online that we found. And I wanted to trace them back to who they were, who created them and why, like what's the point? And also the effects of them being there. And it was kind of a documentary about the way that fear manifests itself. Like the, it, it turns out the scariest place in the world is just inside your own head. You know, like all of these things are just catalysts for whatever's going on in there. And they can make the worst things happen. Um, that was the, the kind of the, what the documentary was. That's what I learned from it. 
However, you know, it was it was a, a Channel 5 doc. I love Channel 5, but it was sensational. And, um, <laughs> and for, for all that I was like, yeah, yeah, so it's all about like the manifestations of fear and digital folklore and all that. I was saying these things, but really what they were capturing was me going ghost hunting. Yeah. Um, me Is Slender Man real? Find yeah. out after the break. Yeah, me screaming. <laughs> Most of it was me screaming my fucking head off. <laughs> it was just me screaming because they put me in so many situations. They sent me down these mines, these old World War One mines where I they made it. spitfires. They sent me on a, on a ghost hunt with these ghost hunters in a haunted house they sent me to spend a night in, an, in a haunted castle and do a Ouija board they sent me to Poland to Warsaw to the forest where there was an old Nazi sanatorium oh my god to meet a man in a mask so of course all of this documentary was just me screaming <laughs> you went in there wanting to be Louis Theroux and what you came out was just sensational TV that's alright though I think I think it's fine that's what happened oh, <laughs> that's wow. the documentary that I got everything I wanted from that question. <laughs> I got everything I wanted. My I, God. I, I would call it, I would call it maybe more of a mockumentary. Although I throughout, <laughs> I'm, I am being serious because I thought what I was doing. <laughs> when you watch the edit back, you're like, this is not how I remember it going. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, do you want another question? Yeah. How the hell's Radio 1? Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I can't even tell you, Tom. Like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. We have a very emotional show, and there's been times I've actually cried during it. And it, it, it for all intents and purposes, it should, it should be, it should be something that that doesn't make me smile so much. But it's coming away from it. I just feel like I just love it there. Because you do like, life hacks on Radio One, right? Yeah, that's the show. It's, it's that show. So yeah, it's a show called Life Hacks. It's an advice show for young people, um, all about issues that might be affecting them, of which there are many. We talk about mental health, we talk about grief, about relationships, about sex, about education, about jobs, about finances, um, and it is it is a it's a community. It's a place where whatever you're going through you can know that you're not alone and i remember when i used to listen to it when i was younger I used, it used to be called the sunday surgery and i listened religiously every single sunday and i remember thinking oh my god i felt that thing and i didn't know that anyone else fought it and i thought that i was weird for feeling that way and i'm not i'm not there's other people and they were so honest and so open and so thorough um and it's just i'm so proud to be a part of that because I think it genuinely helps a lot, a lot of people, especially now, now more than ever. And I think radio right now has found a, a, like a real place in people's heart because mm. it's ability to be the only thing for a long time that's live, you know, and you're there with the audience every show, getting them on the show and talking through their problems. So a week before last, we were doing a show about HIV. We've been watching, obviously, It's a Sin, everyone has. It's sure. incredible. It's brilliant TV. It shows so much joy, so much love, so much light, so much fun. But in doing so, it's all the more heartbreaking because we realise just how bad and how badly the HIV epidemic was treated and the stigma attached to it, which continues. And it made me do a lot more research into something that I should know more about. But we decided to, to on our show to, to talk about HIV, um, to get Nathaniel Hall from... Um, it's a scene on the show to also talk to Hadley Stewart um, and to get Dr. Rada on. And we just talked openly about HIV and more importantly about HIV testing and, and the importance of getting tested and that it's it's okay. Like, don't be embarrassed. Like, just do it. It's It could save your life. And it's and it's so manageable. It, it's, you know, it's not a death sentence like it used to be. So that that conversation, having that conversation 
you know, it was helpful to a couple of listeners that we got on to, to chat to who might have had questions. But beyond that, you then look at the text machine. It goes like the texts are coming in thick and fast. So for every one person who brings a question to air or who is affected by something and that they want to voice, there are who thousands, then, listening, thousands right? listening who then go, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks. You've answered my question. You didn't even have to ask it. But that one person has 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 like helped so many others in, in just asking their question. Um, or they're just saying, you know, stick in there. You're going to be OK. I've been through this and it's cool. I've got to do it. Or they're saying, thanks for the, the helpline that I needed to call. I didn't know about that. So there's, there's so many people who... As I say, it's a community who all benefit from everyone sharing. I don't want to call them problems or issues, just just sharing their stories. You mm. know, it's it's their stories. There's so much that Radio One do that I'm just so proud of. They did a thing recently called Minute of Me, which was a chance for listeners, young people, to have a minute on the radio and they could talk about anything, whether it was a cause that was close to their heart, whether it was a an ordeal that they'd been through and how they came out of it, whether it was their little note of positivity for the world, whether it was something that they felt and thought that they thought someone might be interested in. And I just thought, you know what? There's no other station out there that that does this, that gives a voice to young people in their voice. They have complete control over it. It's their agency over their voice. Um, And that's a really special thing. Like, it, it represents, it represents everyone. And I'm so proud to be a part of that. I think that's why the BBC is such a special place and yeah. I'm such an advocate for what they do and what they stand for and why it's so important to have the licence fee and mm. have that service in the UK. That Just imagine what elections will be like without the BBC. Be like America. <laughs> yeah. We're just two different sides shouting at each other. I yeah. just feel like, and I don't know if you feel this, I think you might get this. The BBC for me feels like a warm hug. It's yeah. like, it's all all right. It's on the BBC. It's all fine over there. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I just have such a love for that place in yeah. general. Um, it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask you the question that Roman got asked. Which question? Do you think you'll ever do breakfast? Oh! <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Which question is he that asked? That question. The breakfast oh. question. I can't imagine being asked. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd be asked to do that. To know. I don't know. Would you do? Would you want to do that show again, though? Obviously not. Yeah, I, I love no. life hacks so much. I lo- honestly, between you and I, I've loved life hacks forever, and I've loved the Sunday surgery forever. So I always knew when I became a broadcaster. Like as we said before, you you constantly recalibrate. You can't be too tunnel vision. Jobs come and go, and there's um, stuff that you end up doing that you're like, wow, this is amazing. I love it. I never thought that I would do this. Like I think that especially about sports broadcasting, which I've really gotten into, but I never saw it coming. But there's one thing that I've always thought, you know what, I would really like, if, I, if I've got my tunnel vision about something, it'd be this. I really would love to do that. And that was Life Hacks. I really wanted that show. I really wanted to be a part of that community because it gave me so much when I was growing up and my friends and people that I knew. And I just think, you know, it's so important. Like, I'm really happy doing it. And it's there's I've been so happy many times in my career, granted, but this is the first time I've really been like, I could just stay doing this for a long time. I'm not, I've never... I've never been one to settle. I've always looked at the future and what's going to come next, what's next. Like, what should I work towards now? Whereas at this point, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I would love to do the show forever. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm happy. So, yeah, I'm really happy doing it. So I've not really thought about, you know, I love covering other shows on Radio 1. It's really cool. I got to cover with Matt Edmondson the other day and that was great. He's amazing. I'm obsessed with him. And I'd love to cover bits and pieces. But as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is a home right now. And um, I love it. And do you know what? I think that's a nice point to end the podcast 
talking about how happy you are and a love for the BBC and an overriding thought that I've had this year, which is sort of okay to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Sort of fine. We're constantly encouraged to be striving for more. And don't get me wrong, drive and motivation is brilliant. It's important. I... I'm a very driven person. I'm always looking at what's next, but I've had to learn to be still because we all have to, because that's where the peace is. That's where the contentedness is. And, and they're really great things to revel in. Um, this year I've learned to be still. We've all had to. We've been staying in the home and actually it's it's been all right. Um, at that point, Vic Hope, thank you so much for coming on. We, thank you. We've ended up in what I like to be called a Tom Grennan which is the podcast has ended, but the food's not there. Where's my chicken? It's actually literally <laughs> just left. Okay. So this, in, in real world, this won't happen quite so quick, but the podcast will end. And what you will hear is Vic Hope's voice reviewing it on a voice note to me, reviewing okay. the chicken. Sounds great. <laughs> hey Vic, thank you so much for joining us. That was an absolute pleasure. Oh, um, so I good to talk to you. You are an inspiration. You have worked your ass off, and you're clever as hell. And I think you are a real role model for a lot of people in the UK. So that's that my means thing. the world. Thank you so much, Tom. Um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And this is a great podcast, by the way. Thanks, man. It's better when it one. It's better in person, so you'll have to do it around my house, or I'll come around yours. It's even better when the food turns up. But I feel like <laughs> just like just like Corona, we just about get by. You know, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm jealous of you a little bit because I know yours is going to be really it's hot because it's yeah. been in the oven. I'm going to say mine's probably not going to be hot <laughs> <laughs> because it's been it's been an hour and a half, but but I'm going to enjoy it. We get by, don't we? We get by, don't we? We get by. It's the one, the only. <laughs> it's Vicar. Hey, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Fantastic. I love this chicken omelet. Mm, oh, that was so good. 10 out of 10, Tom. Succulent. Putting the star in one star reviews. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Ah, what a joy. What a joy and a pleasure that was. Thank you so much, Vic Hope, for uh, taking the time to do that. And uh, damn it. Damn it. Once again, social distancing got the better of us. These things do happen, I suppose, don't they, in 2021? Be easy if we could be in the same room, but you can't, you know? You can't. The, t- the takeaway didn't quite turn it. It was very confusing. But through the power of WhatsApp, Vic was able to still leave us a review. Here's what happened. So my chicken eventually arrived. I don't know how the guy got in, I'll be honest. Um, he rang the bell, then stopped ringing the bell. And then when I went to open the door he wasn't there anymore and then two minutes later he was just at my front door inside the building so i don't know how he got in the building anyway it's okay um the the chips and the chicken were cold as was expected but it's okay because i put them in the oven and now they're piping hot and they're they're fucking delicious they're amazing so um i'm sorry i only just started doing this this voice note i'd already eaten um one of the wings and half of a leg of a of a drumstick um put a bit of salt on it that's all it needed it, it was good to go really really succulent inside really crunchy on the outside which is probably in part as well um down to me putting it in the oven the gravy is quite a touch i thought you'd actually taken the gravy off the uh the order and i thought you know i don't really need that but i'm glad you did put it on there um the chips are good i know they can be a bit hit and miss but they're really good i've got just the right amount as well 
I can see me having two pieces maximum left in the morning. I've got a few bones on the plate here. Uh, yeah. It's lovely, it's flavour some chicken. Finger looking good. Yes, so thank you very much for this. Um, it's been lovely to speak to you. Hope you enjoy your chicken too. Night. Ah, thank you. Thanks, Vic. Um, thank you so much for uh, getting to this point and listening to the podcast. Another really fun episode, I think, anyway. I suppose I'm blowing my own trumpet there. But I really did enjoy Vic. I thought she was very impressive. Very, very great, great lady. Um, great lady. <laughs> what who am I? A toddler? Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you do get a chance to leave a five-star review, I would really appreciate it. And next week, the guests continue with a Brit winner next week as well. Yeah, I'm going to say any more than that. But he, uh, he is amazing. Anyway, I'll see you then. Bye! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.